On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. And Michael, first of all, your thoughts on last Sunday's final? Yeah, I suppose we talked here in the studio here, we said maybe in the build-up that we didn't have maybe the trust in Tipperary and we hadn't seen, you know, we, we had to see before we believed. Well, we we saw on Sunday and it was pretty, you know, it was pretty outstanding performances. Probably one of the best All-Ireland performances in living memory, probably apart from maybe Kilkenny in 2008 against Waterford. Just from start to finish, they were in their faces and they created that space in front of the full forward line that they wanted. They got the sort of ball into the three boys inside. You know, we had talked about, you know, potentially the damage that they could do inside, but I don't think anyone really envisaged just exactly what they would do. And I suppose Kilkenny kind of fell into certain traps that they usually wouldn't. There was an awful lot of space in front of that full back line. And, you know, I suppose amazingly, the full back line for Kilkenny stayed intact for. 70 plus minutes which was mad considering there was 215 scored off them but yeah it was a that was a phenomenal performance like to deliver your best on the biggest day like and not your best to deliver maybe even above your best and nothing like we'd seen before that's that's what it's all about and you have to take your hats off Tipperary Connor, what impressed you most about Tip? I honestly the, the what impressed me most about Tipperary was their lack of a complex or a visual complex or a discernible one about Kilkenny because like when we were analysing this last week we said or a lot of people felt that if you took the players and took the colour of the jerseys off them that Tipperary were a more talented hurling team but we had our doubts about whether they would perform in a final and how hung up they'd be about Kilkenny who like I mean it's just been a tyrannical relationship between the two counties since the 2010 All-Ireland Final and they didn't like you know there weren't fellas going for dirty blows they didn't seem to really really care who their opponents were you know and to be able to overcome that to be so focused on the mechanical elements of their performance and to execute them all so brilliantly I just thought was exceptional they really didn't not that they kind of disrespected Kilkenny in any way but I, I think they would have hurled the exact same game had it been Waterford or Galway or anybody else in the All-Ireland Final, they did not. And Mick Ryan afterwards, in fairness, like we we asked him and he said, look, you know, you have to kind of park history. Like there's an awful lot made of these things and it's probably a little bit more made of it outside the camp. And maybe that's only Tipperary that can say that, you know, because, you know, culturally and historically they would feel themselves as being kind of hurling blue bloods as well. That, you know, OK, we get beaten by Kilkenny so many times, but... You know, we know that if we can stick to our performance, we would beat them, and that was it was the it was the embodiment uh, of the entire performance. Like they do have all those moving parts. There's no doubt. Like we knew, Seamus Callum was a glorious talent. That bubbles O'Dwyer, like he must be the most outrageously just stick work skillful hurler in the country. But the fact that they all got them to a place where they all did it on the day was 
I suppose management-wise, you'd have to be hugely impressed as well with Mick Ryan. It's, you know, we don't get a real sense when we talk to managers what they actually do, but um, you know, he definitely got all the, he definitely got all the parts working in the working in the right way on it, just the right time. Because besides anything else, there was a massive step up from their All Ireland semi-final performance. You know, a huge step up. Like there's there's no comparison between the two. Just on something Connor said there, it was amazing and. The reason I think a lot of hurling people would want to go to Crow Park for these games is to look at the matchups, to look at the things that are going on off the ball. But Tipperary hurled the whole game on their own terms. You know, we talk about Kilkenny's physicality, and I was expecting to see bits and pieces going on off the ball, particularly on the likes of Callan. Like you have to, you have to pull and drag, and you have to try and get your advantage. But it was all hurled on Tipperary's mm. terms. They, as he said, as Connor said, they probably do have the more talented hurlers and. They made sure the game was hurled on drone terms. Brian Gavin didn't have to give out a yellow card. I don't even think there was even talk of a yellow card, apart from maybe Walter Walsh running into the Cottle Bar at the start. They completely hurled the game on their terms. They opened them up. They created all the space. And I know like, maybe there was differences between the game on Sunday and Eamon O'Shea's type of play, but they still opened up that space. They still were able mm. to find that movement in the forward line. The amazing thing is, is that Kilkenny didn't, they didn't counteract it at all and they just let it all happen. It was, it was strange. Mm. We, yeah. There was one point early on um, not early on, sorry. There was a point in the first half when it was very, at, it was about twenty minutes in when it looked very obvious that Callan was going to have a serious day. And I can't remember who was in possession of the ball. It might have been Noel McGrath out in the left wing, almost in his own midfield, and Callan stood in behind Joey Holden and he pointed one way and Holden saw the finger, so he turned. Callan turned, went back the other way. But the fact was, Holden had to go that way because there was twenty yards of empty mm. space to his right, and Callan had the option of going the other way, which is what he essentially what he eventually did because it was twenty yards of space on the other side. And mm. like people talk about, you know, why didn't Cody drop a man back? Why didn't he use a sweeper? Like it those terms are ridiculous. Cody will always say we'll never use a sweeper and he probably never will. But in the past, Kilkenny have lined up in such a way that their half back line have not followed their men around have given their full back line huge protection. Like Brian Hogan won all stars for for sitting in front of his full back line and pulling balls out of the sky. But for whatever reason Cody deemed that maybe he just thought that their half forward line that the likes of Bonner Marr and McCormack and Noel McGrath that they had to go with them or else they damaged them further out the pitch. But I still think besides Callan and Bubbles, they were brilliant and everything else. But the mo- the most impressive element of the performance, uh, tactically and in its execution was how the Waterford half or the temporary half forward line were just primed to push up any time any member of the Kilkenny fullback line won the ball and they hit them so hard. Like there were there were Kilkenny like Prendergast at one stage snapped the ball up into his hand and just as he had it into his hand, he got savaged by Bonnermar and they turned it over and they got a point off it. And I looked at it again, I think it's somewhere around one ten or one eleven came from Kilkenny turnovers and not very few of them you could actually blame mm. Kilkenny players because That's a different type of targeting as well. That's not targeting a man, okay, we're gonna skin this lad, we're gonna put a lad in. That's targeting a man in possession. Yeah. As in the cornerback has possession, we don't think he's that comfortable on the ball, yeah. we're gonna target him straight away. And they did that and they did that with Holden, they did it with as they say, we did it with Prendergast as well. It's like they did they it with almost, Paul Murphy. Like yeah. Paul Murphy has been the best, most consistent in terms of, you know, all round. Okay, you can make an argument for Mickey Cattle or Barrett, but Paul Murphy has been one of the most outstanding hurlers in the country like he got man of the match against Dublin earlier on this year in a match that they won by a streak because he was pulling balls out of the sky and his striking is superb mm. but he got et he yeah. got absolutely et you know but you touched on there about the turnovers but I remember in the first half where it was still a game and Tipper only two points up at half time they had set the agenda I counted five points where there were turnovers affected by Tipperary forwards 
in the Kilkenny half of the field and mm. points came straight from it. Mm. So I think there probably was almost an element of shell shock in the Kilkenny in the Kilkenny team because mm. they literally did not have a second to breathe. The second they had the ball, it was just it was gas, yeah. They were in possession of the ball and, you know, in control, yeah. shall we say. But they were just swallowed up. There was men in on but top John of McGrath's them. John goal was the like I mean that was the icing on the cake for all of that. That was you know, this is what we've been doing all day and this is how we've finally gone and won the game. Bubble O'Dwyer, Bubble's goal was absolutely a thing of beauty, like, you know, the, mm. just everything you want in a hurler, the ability to beat his man. It was unfortunate that Murphy lost his stick. I don't think it mattered. Yeah, threw the ball. Yeah. Like, he actually, if you look at the strike, like, it's not that he threw it in front and jumped into it. He had to, he dropped it in such a way and got his wrist and where the ball went into the net, it was a thing of beauty. But just for for a team you know the level of satisfaction they must have got out of the second goal had to have been enormous because they'd done it all day mm. and they were taking the game to Kilkenny and they were emptying their backs when they came out in possession of the ball and they got a direct goal off it like that had to have they must have known at that stage it was going to be their day regardless of what in, they did in fairness in defensive tip teams of the last five years even though they had this record where Kilkenny kept beating them in most of those games, it wasn't a case that Tip didn't perform. They mm. hurled at an incredible level in the 2014 All-Ireland Final. They set the agenda for most of that. They gave them socks of it in two league finals in a row in 13 and 14. But it's just mm. Kilkenny I think knew yeah. how to win those games. But maybe we can see there that the balance of power has tilted yeah. and that Kilkenny, it's clear as day that they don't have the squad they had a few years ago. Uh, Brian Cody obviously doesn't think it either because in a game where they were beating up a stick last Sunday Actually, he waited until the hour to make that was a bit mad it was a bit mad to see the three of them huddling with 15 to go and they just it just didn't look like they knew what to do mm-hmm. there was no didn't look like there was cards to be pulled and you know and of all the switches to make they still didn't switch the full back line which was the most mm. obvious of them all like and it's interesting that Brian has said that he won't uh, that he won't scapegoat the full back line but jeez but you'd find it hard to believe that uh that Prendergast and Holden in particular will still be holding those positions for championship next year, or you'd have to there'd be some sort of changes. Like, but maybe he blamed it out the field. Maybe he blamed the ball that was coming in, and the ball that coming in was coming in was pretty outstanding as well. But uh, yeah, he just what he won't he won't say it outwardly. He obviously doesn't believe the panel is anywhere near as strong as it was. Even but, though I'm sure he won't say it. Like poor Jackie Turrell who's been a legend mm. for the last decade and more. But even uh, the, if, the, even, the fact that he didn't get. Yeah. Game time of any of uh, any game time last Sunday suggests he, that we probably won't see him again in Kilkenny jersey. Like even up front this year, right? He started John Joe Farrell, who got two nine at the first sign of John Joe not doing it. Owen Larkin was back into the team. There was a bit of movement around going on it. Blanchfield got in, then Mark Bergen got in, and then Kevin Kelly got in for the All Ireland final. And then even still, after all those people skipped him, John Power never got a run. John Power came on and made. A, I think he got two points last year in the All Ireland final. He was absolutely brilliant. So, um, it, 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 you know, there's obviously fellas that looked like they were going to be very good that haven't shown Cody that they're worthy of getting yeah. on in an All Ireland final. Imagine like even being when John being Imagine scoring two nine from play in the first two games of the year. Imagine you had said, Kilkenny are going to be in the All-Ireland final, he's, not, he's going to be fully fit and he's not going to play a minute. And he would have been, had Cody made more changes up front, like if you were going by his recent selections, he would have been behind Mark Bergen and John Joe Farrell. Or, it's, or, almost sorry, though, it's almost as if Brian Cody looked at the drawn semi-final against Waterford and made up his mind that John Power and John Joe just weren't they weren't going yeah. to feature for him. Must have had. And just on, on the Jackie situation, it's it's funny with Cody, like no more than Tommy Walsh in 2014, and even Henry to a lesser extent. It's it's almost like once he thinks maybe your days are numbered, 
that that's it like yeah. and it's funny like Jackie probably would have struggled anybody would have struggled going in mm. there Sunday do you know what I mean and maybe he thought God, I don't. Is it even worthwhile making a switch here? Or maybe he thought they were going to be showed up. But once he thinks that you're going to struggle at that level, it just seems to be that's it. There's kind of a line written underneath it, you know. Here's the thing: like in the run-up to the All Ireland final, uh, Michael Ryan spoke about Kilkenny as the masters of intensity. They've also been the masters of defence, suffocating space yeah. for years and years. Last April, league semi-final in Thurles against Clare, they conceded uh, a record total. League or Championship under Cody. I think it was 4.22 or something. Yeah, big score, yeah. Last Sunday, they conceded 2.29, which eclipsed that. I mean, people are going to wonder, what does this what does this mean for Kilkenny next year when they're leaking like a sieve in the really big matches? Yeah, but they've always gone... Just when you expected Kilkenny maybe to follow suit to what other teams do, which is in this case, and what most teams seem to be doing, is bringing a forward back and acting as a sweeper. He's always backed his defenders to defend a little close like the first half against Galway in the Leinster final they looked like they were in a bit of trouble at half time a very similar position to the All-Ireland final and the second half they just upped that intensity like they were just a little bit closer to their men all over the pitch they just competed a little bit more ferociously for the ball in the air like I suppose this comes down to a lot of things I, I was reading um, Eamon Fitzmaurice quotes about the Dublin footballers and people were saying he wanted to put to bed this theory about um Dublin having more pace. He says, people think Dublin have more pace because they're always running at you. But the reason they're always running at you is that they have the ball. And Kilkenny just didn't really have the ball last weekend. It was the same sort of situation. Like they couldn't, you know, when they, when they started dominating possession in the All-Ireland or in the Leinster final this year, they dominated the game. And at the weekend, Tipperary owned the ball and they moved it absolutely superbly. Now, part of that was facilitated by the fact that they were opening up massive gaps to shoot the ball into there was one point that came from Seamus Callan in the second half I don't know do you remember where I think there was three touches from the from the full back line he killed it on a stick he turned it and he put it over the bar oh the one the first half uh, I think the ball uh, came in it would have been the greatest uh, goal of all time that one yeah yeah. 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 god if that had hit the back mm, like, yeah. that was phenomenal yeah. he actually held off all of them at one hand and put the other hand up and but they did they did what they wanted to do and they did it because they owned possession of the ball and they owned possession of the ball because people like Ronan Maher and Paddy Maher and particularly Dan McCormack I felt as well and Bonner Mar, they just savaged their men in the air you know they just won possession all over the pitch that was the really interesting thing now is that Kilkenny are the masters of aerial ball mm. like there was very few aerial balls won and any break Tipperary seemed to be onto it like there was two lads competing for a ball but it seemed to be even if the Tipperary lad didn't catch it he had the little advantage or it was just he made sure it was breaking towards his man's way mm. that, that was what's really unusual and Kilkenny were uh, under pressure against Waterford on the high ball as well so but, but people it, are attacking that, their strength almost but well, that, 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 that yeah. just shows you the, the change in the Tipperary team like besides John McGrath right who was always going to make it he's a, he's a brilliant hurler he's an artist like you know what I mean he's one of those the fellas that have been brought in this year by Mick Ryan Kennedy, Ronan Maher, Dan McCormack. Like they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're not the archetypal Tipperary hurler like fellas with, um, um, you know, fellas with glorious silky talent to put into the team. And there's plenty of them lying around, mm. by the way, in Tipperary. What he did was he put more steel into the team. And more steel into the team meant that they could win more ball, that they could dictate the physical terms. And that meant that people like Bubbles and Noel McGrath and Jamie Callum would get plenty of ball to do their thing on. And that's, I think, what it broke down to. That That's, you know, obviously you need everybody performing and doing their jobs at a high level to beat Kilkenny. But that's how 
you know, they think they won so easily was that the, the, the groundwork, the foundation was the fact that, that they had huge possession of the ball where they wanted it. But that brings us back, Michael, you mentioned the, the semi-final uh, against Waterford and I'm just looking at, I'm not 100% sure of the record, but my puck-out stats from the replay in Thurles, a game that Kilkenny won and in fairness they set the agenda for a fair bit of it. It was nearly, I think it was 2-1 to one or so. No, it was, yeah, yeah. So in other words, the Kilkenny half-back line is under pressure uh, on the opposition puck-out. And their half forward line is not winning the ball that they used, that was used to be their forte. Um, it does beg the question of what Cody does now in terms of transformation of his team. Like he's going to have to do, a, I'd say, a pretty serious overhaul. Do you think? Yeah, I'd, Im- I'd imagine someone like Kieran Joyce could be in a bit of trouble. I'd say, like he's been dropped earlier on this year. He was taken off after an hour the other day and in trouble. Someone like. Rob Lennon, these sort of guys, I think he's going to try and maybe mould a few of these guys into certain mm. positions. I think he probably feels he has to after the other day. And just, it was interesting chatting to Brian out in City West on Monday. I wouldn't say he was defiant or bullish, but by no means, he, he seems to think that there are players there that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, James Marhar is a fella who yeah. look, looks really good in the league. Um, actually, the day against Tipperary. The four, is four points in it, yeah. He's a fella yeah. that looked like he's going to come really, really good. And in fairness, Kevin Kelly had a great game. He came on and got two late goals that time. Now, you could argue he could have had three goals at the weekend, but he's at least at the right age of the age spectrum. He looks like he has strength and he looks like he has a bit of pace about him. So everything else you'd imagine when they're in that environment will come. So, it, like... You yeah, know, and he has a minor pedigree. He was yeah, a serious exactly, minor. Yeah. Can I tell you well, the like, theory I have actually was thinking about the other day? I think if Michael Fenley gets back fit, I think Cody would put him centre back. That's where he played with Bally Hale. Um, I think it would actually, I think it would suit him to a certain extent at this stage of his career. Mm. And I think they could build a defence around him for a couple of years. Give That's it. just a thought. Because I don't think he'll be able for those rampaging runs up and down the field if he does get back. But that's all well and good, I think, if you start Bonner Marr at centre half forward. If you have somebody like Ozzy Gleason who's like trying to take it to you on the ground and every other which way, that might not suit either, you know. And if you do something like that, like you have to stick with it. Yeah, I just think to. it's going to take something slightly radical like mm. that, maybe. Well, last word on the final per se before we uh, move on to our overall review of the year. Michael Fenley. How big of a loss was he last Sunday? He wasn't a nine-point difference, but... But if you think about it this way, like, the fact that he... Like, even in the very basic of where the players played, Conor Fogarty went back into centre-back against um, Waterford in the replay in Torles, and he had a very, very good game there. Like, he, like you know, we know him as this kind of defensive midfield player who lets be it Richie Hogan or Mick Fenley or whoever it is attack the whole time. But he did very well there. And I think if Mick Fenley had have been fit... I think Conor Fogarty would have played centre-back. Joyce never would have got destroyed. Um, now, maybe he would have got destroyed, but you probably like he was definitely in a better vein of form um, this season than Karen Joyce. So even just from that very practical level, and then if you take what Mick Fenley brings, that's, we're talking about fellas like Bonner Marr and Dan McCormack having a, and Ronan Maher having a huge bearing on the All-Ireland final because they were physically strong and good in the air. Well... You know, Ronan Maher, that's the other thing that Mick Fenley did incredibly well down in Torles was they pushed him straight up um, on top of Tyke de Borca uh, on Kilkenny's puckouts. And de Borca had probably his least effective game in the air all season. And if you can imagine that Kilkenny would have taken the same strategy on Ronan Maher, I don't think Ronan Maher would have had the game. Well, now we're speculating, but mm. you, you, like just, just to take that line of reasoning into the final, I don't think he would have had the same but game. Quite a few of Kilkenny's big scores in that game, I think at least one, of, one or if not both goals as well, came from not McFenley winning the mm. ball, 
but getting in the way, yeah. causing disruption. Yeah, oh, and two yeah. seconds, like was, three seconds later, it was, it was actually handful, the ball wasn't the handful net. for everybody, and they just didn't have that kind of handful there, you know. And I think Colin Fenley was the fellow who suffered in a big way because there was nobody winning the ball and giving him possession of the thing, um, like. He was brilliant that night down in Torres. We were sitting beside mm. each other. Yeah, and like he's phenomenal. Like, yeah. he, like as you say, he he takes attention. No more than Callanan in the semi final against Galway. He didn't score at him, but by God, he took attention. And he took their best player mm-hmm. away from the edge of the square. Mm. And just on that as well, I think like the forgotten man is Jar Aylward as well, who'll be back fit next year. Mm. Like he's a three or three or four points a game man, mm. and he's. He's small, but by God, he's physical yeah, I still as well. think that whatever happens, if you have TJ Reid and Richie Hogan in your team, you can probably find the rest of the lads. Like, they're two special, special fellas. Mm. Richie Hogan, he's only a footnote in the story of that All-Ireland final, but he produced two passes that are worth going back again. There was one where he came through and he picked out Kevin Kelly. Yeah. And, and like this this is a new sort of a hurler. You don't see, it's like a, it's like a playmaker in soccer. The, the play is all in front of them. They're coming with it. And he just gets his stick in such a way and he picks out a absolutely perfect pass to Kevin Kelly on the edge of the square and only a few minutes later his peripheral vision the same thing he picked out Porrick Walsh on the first they were beautiful beautiful passes it was like something out of Anders Iniesta or something like really like you know you don't see that kind of hurling playmaker who like Mm. uses peripheral vision and short sticks and pings little balls out to the wings but he's just magnificent even the quality of his goal finish I mean that's been forgotten as well absolutely brilliant like there was no stat like that's an unstoppable shot. Like it was just bang, ball drop, bang, back of the net as well, you know. And you mentioned like the, Richie has been great for most of the summer. Richie's uh, been brilliant for TJ, four years. Like. Yeah, oh, yeah, fabulous. Yeah. But like TJ Reid, just there was something not quite there mm, for nearly yeah. all season. And if you get TJ Reid back to the level we know he's capable of, oh god, yeah. Like if you get TJ back to where he's a goal threat again, or he's in around the goals for whatever reason he was out the field, mm. they obviously. But like if he can get in around the goals again, if he can start getting the the two three points, the one two per game, like he's gonna be, he'll have some be in his bonnet now next year to have a big big year because. He didn't, for whatever reason, it just didn't happen this year, you know. And the hurlers we mentioned there, they're all class hurlers. Like, and if they're all clicking on a day, like anybody that writes off Kilkenny, I tell you, mm-hmm. you'd be very foolish.